Lord, we're going to talk about and discuss this morning a topic that I think some of us we're kind of scared of because it makes us vulnerable. It opens us up. And Lord, we all approach confession in a different way. Some of us have made that, that ultimate decision and recognized God as who He is and accepted Christ into our heart. And we've, we've been forgiven. All, the, all of our sins have been wiped clean. But Lord, what if we understood confession to be even more than that? What if we learned and, and used confession in our daily life to not hold resentment, to not place blame, to not push guilt upon someone else, but we use confession to kind of free us, to free us of a burden, to free us of a weight. Because your love is deep, your love is wide, and your grace is sufficient for even me, confession's powerful. So give us open mind and open thoughts as we uh, hear the message this morning. In Jesus' name. You guys can have a seat. So I know this, is, this can be a little scary, the new guy up in front of everybody. Going to do a message. Hope he's not long-winded, right? Well, luckily for you guys, you're in the first service. So there's a little time constraint, and I promise you I won't be long-winded. But I will promise you I will have and always will have lots of energy given a message. Because I feel like God's placed upon me words that he wants me to share with you guys that I've learned throughout the several months that I prepared for a message. And confession for me is something that has, uh, I've learned from about the age of 21 to 36-year-old man now. It's something if I don't do on a daily basis, it can really take hold of me and kind of destroy me from the inside out. And what do I mean by that? Well, we'll get to that a little bit later. Since I'm a new kind of pastor, associate pastor, giving a message in front of you for the first time, I want to share with you some stories about me because I think that's how you will learn about me and my experiences and why I teach the way I teach. As you get to know me, you will find out I'm a big adventurer. I like the mountains. Who likes the mountains in here? All right, lots of best friends I will have. I love the mountains. My, my secret place, my getaway where I kind of experience and feel God the most is if I can get up in the mountains where there's no sound but the wind rustling through the leaves of the, the pine trees and hearing the mountain streams flowing down the mountains and seeing the trout splash up in the mountain lake that is like serene for me. That is where I can experience God the most. So getting married and having three kids, and I love to camp and be an outdoors nature kind of person, my wife was not like that when we first got married. So I had to drag her kicking and screaming to the mountains to camp in a tent with no running water and no electricity for seven days. She eventually got to enjoy it but it was forced upon her. So after doing a couple of these trips, she finally looked at me and said, you know, if we're going to go to the mountains and camp without running water or electricity for a week, can we at least at the end of that time go stay in somewhere nice in the hotel so I can at least get a shower before we go back home? So I said, okay, I will, I will bend 
and we will do that. I will add a little bit more money in the budget for that vacation so we can go to the hotel. So we did. So several years ago, this place called Uray, Uray, I say it wrong every single time, Uray, Colorado. Who's been there? Uray, Colorado is like the Swiss Alps of America. If you've never been there, it is gorgeous. So we, we learned about these July 4th activities, so we decided to go up there for July 4th. Now, imagine a mountain town, everything shuts down, they do a huge parade, and I'm not talking about a parade we see here, I'm talking actual floats, not some car or tractor with a sign on the side of it that's rolling down the, the street. I'm talking actual floats are made up, okay? So after this parade, it is customary that the two fire stations in town have a water war, okay? A water war. So thousands of people gather in the streets. Fire Station 1 and Fire Station 2 face off with their fire hoses. And they try to see who can blow the other fire station off their line with the fire hoses. Lots of pressure. And everyone's cheering on and hooting and hollering and having a good old time. So in the crowd at this thing, there's also a jeeping convention where all these jeeps go up in the mountains and they mud and have a great time. So all these jeeps are surrounding the road as well. And they're muddy, completely muddy. So after seeing about 30 minutes of this happen, the firefighters and fire station one wins. The firefighters then turn around and it's just a free-for-all. They're spraying the entire crowd. Kids are going wild and having a good old time. And you notice the jeeps that once had been completely filthy and dirty slowly become like brand new. Because why? The water is cleansing them. I don't know about you. If you, if you have a car, and you take it to the car wash, and it's completely dirty, and it's maybe a 12-year-old truck like my, I have. Something about taking it to a car wash and getting it clean, it's like you have a brand new ride, right? That's what it felt like. Like it was washed clean. Water has that ability. I find it interesting that Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is referred to many times in the Scriptures as what? Living water. But keep that in mind. In Acts 17, 30-31, it says this. God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better. God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better. What he's referring to is once you knew, you did not know Jesus Christ, and now you know Jesus Christ. So you should know better. We know better. But then he says in some translations, it uses the term ignorant. Very powerful term. We don't like being called ignorant, right? When you're ignorant, but that time has passed. The unknown is now known, and he's calling for radical life change. The unknown, I was once not a follower of Jesus Christ, and maybe some of you in this room today, it's not known, the power of Jesus. But now, as followers of Jesus Christ, it is known. And because it is known, it needs radical life change. In Proverbs 28, 13, it says, Whoever conceals his trans transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And then in James 5.16 is one of my favorite verses. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. 
So it's turning confession, confess to one another and pray for one another. Notice it says nowhere in there does it say gossip for one another or telephone call one another, third party, or spread what was shared or confessed. It just said pray for one another after you confess that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. If we took the power of confession, once we accepted that living water to cleanse us completely, we are forgiven forever and ever, amen, by our Lord. What if we took it a step further and expected radical life transformation in our lives when we use the power of confession on a daily basis? What would that look like with me, with you? What would it look like between you and the person sitting next to you to the left or to the right that you may or may not know? What would that look like? So today we're going to look at three things. The purpose of confession, the power of confession, and the promise of confession. So the main verse we're going to look at today, if you have a Bible in front of you, is 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. And it says this, if we claim to have fellowship, remember, it once was known, but now it is known. It once was known, and I was ignorant, and now it is known. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us just like those firefighters spraying those jeeps. It purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The purpose of confession. What does John mean by confession? Let's take a look at that. If. What would if suggest? In that passage, what would if suggest? It suggests that confession is an act of free will and not forced upon us by God or man. Hallelujah. I am thankful for free will. If. It is not forced upon me by you or by God. If. Let's look at we are. Confession is for every, everyone. I have sinned and fallen short. You have sinned and fallen short. We have all sinned and fallen short in this room. Confession, we are, is from everyone. Free will, and we all have that ability. Following me? Sins, at the root of confession, are choices to live opposed to the characteristics of Christ. Notice verse 6, both prior to and after today's verse, we are reminded that we are sinners in order that the key center of the passage will stand out as a solution to our problem. We have all fallen short, which is sin, living out our lives in kind of contrast to the characteristics of Christ, the sinful nature. And then that key word, confess, admit wrongdoing, take personal responsibility for wrongdoing. (laughs) That's hard. 
personal responsibility for wrongdoing. Personal responsibility for the backslided approach Facebook status. Personal responsibility for the phone call. Will you pray for me? Immediately pick up the phone. Did you know? Confess. John is trying to show us that we are all sinners. He does this because once we realize we are sinners, then we are able to confess our sins to God and get freed up from the guilt and weight of our transgressions. The purpose of confession when used on a daily basis to radically transform your life, is humility. Remember, I'm a nature guy. I love the mountains. And every every time you hear me speak, you're probably going to hear mountain stories, so I apologize. But I was 17 17 years of age, and we go to this place called Big Meadows Campground. It's near South Fork, Colorado, kind of the southwestern portion of Colorado. And my, bro- my dad, my dad's brother, and my, my dad's brother's son, who's 10 years younger than me, he was 7 years old, we decided to go on an 8-mile hike up the mountains. Four miles up, four miles back down. And we all had with us a backpack that kind of looked like this. A hiking backpack. We had water in it. We had other kind of gear. We had our launch, just available gear. So imagine a backpack about this size. And a seven-year-old, because he's seven and he wants to do what the guys do, wants to carry a backpack about this size. So we let him. So being a 17-year-old boy that I was, I thought it would be very hilarious. Every time we stopped along the trail, which with the seven-year-old, we had to stop very frequently, I thought it would be very funny to find a rock and very secretly place that rock in the backpack of the seven-year-old to see how long it would take him to realize because he's carrying extra weight, even though as he's going up the mountain, he's drinking water, and the weight should be what? Going down. So we hike about a half a mile in. I find the nearest rock. I secretly place it in his backpack, cinch it back up, and he's seven, year, seven years of age, and he has no clue. He is oblivious to what's going on. He puts it back on his back and continues to follow his dad, my dad, and myself up the mountain. About another mile in, what do I do? We stop again. We put our, we put our feet in the water. I find more stones, and I place more stones in the backpack. Seven-year-old boy. He closes it up puts the backpack back on, and continues to walk. And this time, you can start to see he's going. But keeping up, he's seven years, seven years old, and he knows that if he doesn't keep up with the men, he's going to get made fun of. So about another mile and a half into the trail, what do we do again? What do I do? Because I'm, not, I'm a boy. That's what boys do. We're mischievous. So I uh, put more rocks in the backpack. And we're about three miles in at this point. How does a seven-year-old not know he's carrying rocks in his backpack? I do not know. But I sit it back up, and he's now carrying it. And poor guy, he is pouring down sweat, and he's literally like this. Has no clue, oblivious to the extra weight 
he is carrying. I continue to do that for half mile after half mile after half mile to the point he sat down and was in tears. And I kind of felt bad at that point. Kind of. And I had to talk to him. This is one of these moments I look back now and this is a great illustration. That is what we do. When we do not confess. That is what we do to others. When we want them to confess, and maybe all it takes is for us to go to you or to them and say, I forgive you anyway. Because forgiveness is for you. How many of us continually, maybe in our own backpack, or in our friend's backpack, or in our relative's backpack, or in our fellow brother and sister here at Grace Bible Church's backpack, continue to place a stone in someone's backpack because we think they should experience the same shame and guilt as what we would have with that same thing. What if as individuals we taught them the power of confession on a daily basis? What would that look like? What would the power of confession look like on a daily basis? We look at that same verse again in verse 9. It says, He, He, the power of confession is not in us, but in Him. Faithful and just God gave the power to one who is faithful and just. The power is in him. The power is in him to reconcile relationships. That's easy for me to say. To reconcile relationships. Confess. Will. The power is assured in the lives of all who confess their sin. There is no maybe here. God's power is in our confession. It's not an if, and, or maybe. It is there. Forgive our sins. Think about this with me. Non-followers and followers of Jesus Christ, we always want to get something off our chest. Think about it. We always want to confess because it's a burden. That produces guilt, which ultimately produces shame, which ultimately causes us to continue to carry the backpack where we can't carry it any longer, and we're eventually on our knees, just like my seven-year-old cousin, in tears because the weight of the world and the burden is on our shoulders. So think about it. We all want to confess. We confess to psychiatrists. We confess to doctors. We confess to family members. We confess to friends. But the hardest thing to do is to to confess to the ones we're putting stones in the backpack. The power of confession is in Jesus Christ. 
as a non-follower, we confess to the psychiatrist, our doctors, our family, our friends, which sometimes turns into gossip. But if we don't recognize the power of confession is in Jesus Christ, we are missing the point. The power of confession. Forgiveness. The promise of confession. John does not give us a command, but only a promise. The promise begins by forgiving us, but it ends with purification. The and in that verse shows us that forgiveness itself is not the end of God's promise to those who humble themselves. Purify. To free us from sin, guilt, and other defilement. Us. This applies to all who have obeyed his teaching. All. There are no limits to the purification process that God presents. Grace is sufficient for me, you, every single one in this room. God's grace is sufficient. Unrighteousness. Our sins against God. Understand with me that John means he is telling us that forgiveness in of itself is powerless without the purification that comes from Christ. John shows us that it does not matter what we have done, but what we will do about it. Confession. It does not matter what we have done, but what are we going to do about it. The promise of confession is that we are ultimately cleansed. Are you having problems reconciling relationships? The power of confession cleanses. For years, I spent, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. And for years, I spent looking at people I did not quite understand or did not want to love because they looked different than I did. I did not want to love them because they made comments that conflicted with my belief. I did not want to love them because one time, one time when I was maybe five, 10 or 11, five years ago, they did something to me and I placed a stone in their backpack to let them keep wondering and placing a burden upon them to let them keep going and sinking and sinking. And what I did not realize is that I was breaking our relationship apart to the point God was not glorified. And what I did not realize is why I was placing a stone in his backpack, I was putting two stones in mine. Because I cannot carry the burden of shame and guilt. I can't. God's cleansing and forgiveness comes from the power of confession. Guys, we can't carry the, the burden of guilt and shame. It is going to do nothing but wear you out and put you on the knees on a mountainside somewhere four miles up, and you're finally going to say, I can't do this anymore. And it may take someone sitting to the left or someone sitting to the right or your neighbor next door or a family member that is 
been so mad at you for so long to finally say, you know what, confession and forgiveness is for me, and I'm going to be the bigger person because I understand and recognize the power of Jesus Christ, and let me open your backpack, take the burden I have placed out of your backpack so we can be reconciled. That is the power of confession. The power of confession. So at age 14, I recognized the power of confession, the living water of Jesus Christ to purify me, to wash me clean. He forgave me. What if I lived out the power of confession on a daily basis to radically transform my life that I can love people the way Christ loved me, that I can give them the same forgiveness that he gave me, and we can be a reconciled world. The power of confession. As we close, I want you guys to watch this video. Remember, I'm a visual guy. You may be carrying a rock in your backpack or in your hand. It's been a burden of shame and guilt. There may be someone in this room or someone outside these doors that you need to have a conversation with because you've denied it or ran from it for entirely too long. And maybe you just need to place it down and drop it. Or maybe you need to unzip the backpack on your back, take the stone out. Or maybe you need to unzip the backpack of your friend and say, I forgive you. The Lord, it's my prayer. But those three simple words of let it go can be something we enter into our lives to radically transform our lives. That we stop carrying the burdens that we place upon us and we, start place, we stop placing the burdens upon others that we love. And we drop the stone so that that burden, that weight is no longer with us. But Lord, just as the power of the original confession, when we confess to you our lives, confess to you that we are worthless without your, your grace and your cleansing power. And you say it's been wiped clean forever and ever, Lord, when we confess and when we ask forgiveness and when we forgive others, may we represent you and never pick that stone back up again. Because it is gone. Oh Lord, your love is deep. Your love is wide. And may we be ultimately a clear representation of it. In Jesus' name.